Well, this year is a year of divine increase. Find somebody around you, tell them divine increase. Look at somebody else, tell them divine increase. And it's not in one area, it's on every side. It's in every area of your life. Amen. And um, the Lord gave me Deuteronomy chapter 6 as our foundation scripture for the year. And we've been working on talking about divine increase all year and laying the strong foundation. And in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 10, it says, The Lord your God will soon bring you into the land He swore to give you when He made a vow to your ancestors Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It is a land with large, prosperous cities that you did not build. Houses will be richly stocked with goods you did not produce. You will draw water from cisterns you did not dig, and you will eat from vineyards and olive trees you did not plant. But then the next verse is really what the Lord has impressed upon my heart for the year. He says, when you have eaten your fill in the land, be careful. Look at somebody and say, be careful. Say, warning. Be careful not to forget the Lord who rescued you from slavery in the land of Egypt. And the Lord, the Lord spoke to me really strongly and said, you need to make sure that you don't forget me in your time of prosperity. And we have seen this year increase um, in, on every side. And what we're, what we're getting ready to step into is beyond anything we can imagine. In one moment, just in one moment, God can accelerate things. And He's about to do it right here at Pure. There's an expansion coming on the measure that we don't quite understand. I'm pregnant with it. I feel it. I know it. We've been working on this for a couple of years now. And I believe as we're going into 24, we're going to start acquiring land and property on a level we've never acquired before. And it's not just to say that, look, we're getting the stuff. It's so that we can advance the kingdom of God. Amen. And so I'm very excited about what God is getting ready to do. But at the end of the day, it's all about souls. It's all, all about discipling people. It's all about people coming to know the Lord and being transformed into His image. Can I get an amen? And so it's quite a wild journey that you go on with the Lord. The Lord tells you to do something. You have no idea how you're going to do it. And you step out like you're walking on water. The Lord says, come. You get out of the boat. Say, God, uh, be it unto me according to your word. Go ahead. When you're far out there, you're, you're already in the middle of the ocean. It doesn't matter how ridiculous it sounds. You're not going by your own ability or your own strength. You're trusting the Lord. If He said do it, then it's finished. Look at the person next to you and say, if the Lord said do it, then it's done. The minute you see it, you have it. Look at the person next to you and tell them, the minute you can see it, it's already yours. And there is no distance. In the Spirit, when God shows you the end from the beginning, the minute you see it and it gets impressed on the tablet of your heart, because that's where He writes. He's not writing on tablets of stone. In the New Covenant, He comes and He writes on the tablet of the heart. And when God shows you things through the eyes of faith and you read it, wisdom gets poured out and He puts it on your heart and you see what He has for you, it's already yours. It's already finished. All you have to do is walk towards it. Look at somebody and tell them faith without works is dead. 
So when the Lord says do it, you have to start walking towards it. You say, well, I don't have anything. The miracle's already in your hand. You already have the miracle. If you have the word, it's already done. Because God watches over his word to perform it. The place where it becomes a problem is when you think you're hearing God and you're not hearing him. I'll say it over here. There's vain imagination. There's things that you come up with that you think are God that's not really God's voice. And you have to come to the place where you know that you know that you know you're hearing God's voice. You're not wondering if you're hearing it. And I'm here to tell you his voice is very distinct. His voice is very clear. Look at the person next to you. You shall know the voice of the Lord your God. And you will follow him. And a stranger's voice you will not follow. The voice of the Lord is very specific. Just like I have a certain tone in my voice, a certain sound in my voice. Just like every one of your family members sound differently. God sounds very unique. And when you come to know His voice, it's the most epic thing that can ever happen in your life. Because as you learn to follow His voice, He will lead you and guide you into blessing. Say on every side. But there's a price to pay. Look at someone, there's a price to pay. And it's your life. So um, in Matthew chapter 16, verse 15, Jesus said to His disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, anybody want to be a follower of Jesus? You must give up your own way. You must take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 37 through 39, it says, if you love your father or your mother more than you love me, you are not worthy of being mine. He's cutting us deep right here. Or if you love your son or your daughter more than you do me, you are not worthy of being mine. For parents, that's a tough one. And if you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, you are not worthy of being mine. And if you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find it. And so the whole message of the Bible is really the cross. And the Lord is calling us to live crucified lives. Look at somebody and say, a crucified life. A crucified life is a life that is dead to the things of the flesh and things of the world. You're not moved by the world. You're not moved by stuff and you're not moved by people. You're not moved by your emotions. You're not moved by your children. You're not moved by your spouse. The only thing that moves you is faith when God speaks. The only thing that moves you is faith when God speaks. Can I get an amen? amen. Say, the only thing that moves me is faith. I'm moved by faith. I move when God speaks. I say what God says. I do what God wants me to do. Because it is no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives on the inside of me. And the life that I live now, it's not who I used to be in the flesh. It's who I am in the Spirit, who I am in Christ Jesus. And He loved me, and He gave His life for me, 
And if I'm really going to be his follower, I'm going to give up my life to serve him. I'm going to serve him. Matthew 13, 44 says this. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. And in his excitement, he hid it again. And he sold everything that he owned to get enough money to buy that field. And family, I'm here to tell you that until you fully surrender your life, you haven't begun in the Spirit. Your life in the Spirit doesn't begin until you die to the life in the flesh. And there's so many people that are living this double life. You come to church on Sunday, but you live in the flesh Monday through Saturday. And when you live in the flesh, you're led by the spirit of the world. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. You are moved by everything in the media. You are moved by the opinions of people. You live to please man. You don't live to please God when you live in the flesh. And we have to come to the point where we say it is over with the flesh. I am done with the things of the world. I am done with the things of the flesh. I am laying myself on the altar. I don't care how long it takes, but my God will deliver me from this thing. I'm going to bring it here. I'm going to crucify it here. It's going to be left here, and I'm walking out of here a new person today. You cannot manage your sin. You cannot medicate your sin. You got to murder that thing. You got to kill that thing. Your sickness, you got to bring it to Jesus. Your disease, you got to bring it to Jesus. Your poverty, you got to bring it to Jesus. Your ugly self, you got to bring it to Jesus. All your hurts, wounds, and pains, and baggage, you need to bring it to Jesus. Let's have a bring it to Jesus day. What do you say? Your opinions, let's bring those to Jesus. The who done me wrong song 50 years ago, bring that to Jesus. Your children shaking you around like a rag doll every time they call. Playing with your emotions. You need to bring that to Jesus. If we went to Bell Avenue to the graveyard and we walked on somebody's grave, they wouldn't really care about it. If you spat on their tombstone, they wouldn't care. If you called them all kinds of names, told them you would kill their dog, they wouldn't care because they're dead. And that's how you need to live. You don't care what anybody says. You don't care what anybody does. The only thing that you are doing is living to please Jesus. You're living according to this word. And you're living according to every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God for your life. You mind your own business. Look at somebody saying, mind your business. You worry about you, boo. And I worry about me. 
You owe me. Look at the person next to you. Tell him you owe me a debt. And that's the debt of love. You got to be patient with me. You got to be kind to me. You can't keep record of my wrongs. You're not supposed to be irritated with me. So mind your business. You go to the cross and die over there. And you pray for me. You pray for me that Jesus come and help me. Instead of whining all day long. Like you're in the wilderness going around a mountain. A big complainer. Round and round you go around that mountain. Stuck in a rut. Look at somebody and say, today's a day of pruning. Say, it's going to hurt a little bit, but it's some things that need to die. Say, you're going to be all right. We're going to sew you up at the end of the day, and you're going to leave here just, just limping a little bit. But in two, three days, you're going to be just fine. I'm a doctor. I'm doing surgery. I know what I'm doing. Trust me. I've been doing this a long time. So we have a garden at our house now. I'm more excited than you are about my garden. But, um, you know, we just moved into the new place and we're still trying to make it a home. Got to put pictures on the wall, you know. Got to get the rest of the furniture in there and all that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, in the book of Genesis, it says God planted a garden in the east. So on the east side of my house, I'm planting a garden. And it says in the book of Genesis that there was this river in the garden. So I've got to have a little waterfall feature. I'm going to have myself a little stream in my garden. don't know how I'm going to do it yet, but I'm going to do it. And have me a little flowing water feature in my garden. And then the Bible says that when God placed man in the garden, he put all these beautiful trees to look at and stuff he could eat. So my garden has got, just got fruit trees in it. It's just a fruit tree garden. It's not a waste of time where you walk in there and it's just look at. No, you can eat everything. And Brother Fred and Miss Carrie, for our, for our homewarming gift or whatever you call that thing, they bought me fruit trees. So I have two coconut palms and I have two mango trees. And he came over the weekend and we, we planted them. We're sweating out there, planting trees, you know. And so I got a pomegranate tree that I'm planting in my garden because pomegranates represent the promises of God. Oh, and you know what I love about my garden? Is that Adam walked with God in the cool of the day in the garden. So I'm going to walk with the Lord in the, I'm going to hear the sound of the Lord in the garden in the day. And then I've also got a mulberry tree. Yeah, because we're going to wait to hear the sound in the top of the mulberry trees before we do anything. So I got a real spiritual garden on the, on the east side of my house. The Lord, if you want to know where he is, he's with me in the garden on the east side of my house. Now, I'm going to have to put some kind of padlock on my house because you guys will come and try and sneak in there to eat my fruit and talk to the Lord. But I have mighty cherubim stationed 
with flaming swords, there will be no access to the garden. Thou shalt die if thou shalt try. Come near my garden. Unless thee come through the gateth, you are a thief and a robber. It's all scripture, by the way. Just in Elizabethan English. And so I'm very excited about our garden. And, uh, you know, I never thought, well, I grew up on a farm, 100 acres, you know, lived on a farm for 10 years. And then my parents, they always had some kind of garden thing going on around the house. Chickens and birds and all kinds of things. Who has gardens in their home? Three people. Listen, you need to grow something. Look at the person next to you say, if you've got property, grow something. And so we're, I'm building this garden, a place where I can walk and meet with the Lord and talk to the Lord, and I'm super excited about it. Amen. Look at the person next to you and tell them, God is a gardener. Find somebody else and tell them, God is a gardener. Touch the person next to you, say, hello, dirt. You were made from the dust of the ground. And things grow on the inside of you. Words grow on the inside of you. And words become trees and they produce fruit. Now, if you got some thorns and thistles growing in your garden then you've got some words that somebody sowed seed till it penetrated the ground and it sprang up and it's producing thoughts that tell you something different than what God says. But in the garden that God wants to plant, He wants to take His wisdom and He wants to put it in the ground so that you can think His thoughts, that you can know His heart, that you can think the way He thinks, you can act like He acts, And so the Lord wants to do some pruning today. Say hello, mate. The Lord's going to do some pruning, I tell you. A little snip, snip. But then some of you got some cactus in your yard. And uh, we're going to rip the cactus out today. Look at somebody tell them you're going to be all right. So in John chapter 15, Jesus speaking, he says, I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. And he cuts off, say God cuts off. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. Look at somebody say, it's time we start producing fruit because we don't want to get chopped off. And he prunes, say that's me. He prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they produce even more fruit. He says, you've already been pruned and purified by the message I've given you, but remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Look at somebody and tell him, unless you remain in him, you are fruitless. And everything you do is in vain. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. 
For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. So you know what's really cool about my garden? I have got pepper trees. I have got scotch bonnet peppers. Then I've got Trinidad scorpion peppers. The second hottest pepper on the planet. And then on the top of the food chain, the great white shark. The lion of the tribe of Judah. The Carolina Reaper, baby. That thing, the reason I know why they call it the Reaper. You eat one of those, you die. And so I am going to make hellfire pepper sauce. And I'm going to sell it to you guys. So that if your children ever give you trouble, you tell them hell is hotter than hellfire pepper. And then you give them one drop. I promise you, they will be sorted for the rest of their lives. They will never disobey you again. The fear of the Lord shall come upon them. So I'm excited about my pepper trees. I just thought I'd throw that in there. Look at somebody and tell them, you do not want to go to hell. You do not want to be one of those branches that get thrown into a pile and then get burned. Don't be a Christian that gets cut off from the vine. Don't come to church every week and it produces nothing in your life. Don't have a show of godliness, but there's nothing real behind it. This is not a game. This is not a show. This is a genuine relationship with God. And it's something that each and every one of us have to work on. Amen. And there are things that the enemy has planted. There are things from your old life that we need to get rid of today. Because those things are not you. They're not part of you. They do not belong to you. And it's time for them to leave. Can we get an amen? amen. Say, sickness is not my portion. Disease is not my portion. Poverty is not my portion. Destruction is not my portion. I am blessed. Look at somebody and tell them, you are blessed with every spiritual blessing. Say, every blessing. Say, God gave us Jesus, the best He had. He's not withholding anything from you. He's already given it to you. It's in the covenant. It's in the blessing. It belongs to you. But you got to make a decision. I'm done with the curse and I want the blessing. I want the whole of it, Jesus. But you got to bring that stuff to the altar that's holding you back from walking in it. you got to bring it to the cross. It's time to prune this stuff from our lives. It's time to uproot some things from our lives. Can we get an amen? It says, I have loved you even as my Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in His love. Look at somebody and tell them when you obey the commands of Jesus, you remain, you abide in His love. And then Jesus gives us the command. He says, I have told you these things so that you would be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love 
each other in the same way I have loved you. And there is no greater love. Look at somebody and say, there's no greater love than to lay down one's life for your friends. How many of you want to walk in love? That's what God commands us to do. And the way that we're going to walk in love is we're going to obey His command. And His command is that we love one another. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, love is patient. Love is kind. Do you know that God is love? And if we're going to act like God, then we're going to walk in love. And that means that every time something wants to pull you to the flesh, you have to remember that you have to pick up your cross daily and you have to crucify that thing in the moment. So the Bible says that love is not irritable. Suddenly, something's happening with somebody around me where I'm starting to get irritated with them. That's you now being pulled out of your love walk. You're no longer remaining in Him. The enemy's pulling you out into the flesh. And because we live crucified lives and we're dead, we recognize this thing pulling us as the flesh and we put a stop to it immediately. And if you do not put a stop to it immediately, then that thing allows to grow and produce a fruit that will be negative. Because you'll open your mouth and you'll say something in irritation and you'll cause division. And we will not allow the enemy to use this temple. This is a holy temple. We will not allow the suggestions of the enemy or the flesh to rise up to get us to do things that will pull us out of our love walk. And so we have to be very practical about this. How do you walk in love? And you have to be intentional about staying in love, remaining in love. Because Jesus said, if you'll abide in me and my word abides in you, then you can ask for anything and it shall be granted. That's how you get your prayers answered. Look at the person next to you and say, the way you get your prayers answered is you remain in his love. This is the command. This is what He's given us. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That means you obey His Word. Anytime you start getting nudged on the inside where you're going to disobey the Word of God, you correct yourself. The Holy Spirit nudges you, says, do not say that, do not do that, do not go there, do not buy that. And you have to listen to the leading of the Holy Ghost. Look at the person next to you and say, those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons and the daughters of God. So who is your father? Is it the father of lies? Is that who you listen to? you got to decide. I'm either listening to my heavenly father or I'm listening to this other guy, Satan. Who influences your life? And it feels good in the moment to get in the flesh. Sometimes you just want to let somebody have it. I want to get road rage right now by this crazy Florida driver. So I was driving back from Home Depot a day or two ago. And I'm, I got a trailer. I got stuff on the trailer. You know, trees. And they're not secure. Because they're just little trees on the trailer. 
And this guy, he's not paying attention at all. Nice car too, like a Lexus or something really sporty, whatever. And I mean, I, if I did not brake, he would have rammed right into me because he wasn't paying attention. He's flying in the right lane and there's a car in front of him. And at the last minute, he sees the vehicle and then he cuts in front of me. And I have a truck. The Terminator, the bat. I, I just, you know, there's those moments you just want to ram the guy down. You know, you wish you had spikes and rocket launchers. All the men in the building say, yeah, that's my pastor. I kill you. But you can't give in to that side. That side has to remain dead. Amen. Because if I've seen some crazy road rage people. And then they get out and then they get shot and then they don't know why. You've seen those videos, those reels. Don't be a statistic. Listen, every time you get into the flesh, every time you get into the flesh, it will not produce anything for you. Look at the person next to you say, do not allow yourself to get pulled into the flesh. It will not end well for you. Go to the book of Galatians. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, it says, Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live to satisfy their sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. Are you with me? So we as Christians, we live a crucified life. Say, I'm crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. And if we're going to live the Christ life, we have to remain in His love. And the way we remain in His love is we love others in the way we want to be loved. We love them like God loved us. And there is no greater love than to lay down your life for somebody else. And guys, love is the greatest. Love always wins. It rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never fails. When you remain in love, you will see the result you want to see if you'll remain in that place. But the minute you get into the flesh, you cross the line to try and do it in your own strength. And when you get into the flesh and try to fix things, you just break things. You make things worse. Look at somebody and say, don't do that. There's some behaviors that we've picked up that we need to get rid of. There's certain words that we have um, just adopted that have become part of our language that we need to get rid of. And I'm trusting that the Lord is going to do some uprooting today. He's going to uproot the cactus and the thistles and the thorns. But then He's going to do some pruning to keep us on track so that we can produce better fruit. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. In Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 4. 
Now it came to pass as he was praying, this is Jesus, in a certain place, when he ceased, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us how to pray. As John also taught his disciples. And so he said to them, when you pray, say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Family, I'm going to give you the secret right here. Look at the person next to you say, this is the key. This is the secret. Your whole life changes when you position yourself to say, God, what is your will? Your whole life changes when you take your will and you crucify it. If you do not crucify your will, your will will lead you and guide you and do what it wants to do. You have to bring your will to the cross and say, it is no longer my will, but your will, God. And your prayer life, if you'll just get to a place where you'll say to God, God, what is, what is on your heart? Lord, what do you want me to do? Lord, what do you want me to give? Lord, what do you want me to say? Lord, who do you want me to be? Where do you want me to go? And you begin to talk to the Lord and listen. Look at the person next to you say, listen. Spell it, L-I-S-T-E-N. Listen. That means you have to shut your mouth. Most of us talk to the Lord in frustration. That's when we pray. We don't pray prayers of faith. We pray prayers of frustration. When we're desperate, when we're irritated, when we can't take it no more. Jesus! And that guy has to die. It has to be crucified. That's your will. That's your way. That's your want. That's in your strength. And we need to bring that to the cross. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so that's where I'm at with everything that I do now in my life. I just talk to the Lord. Lord, what do you want? And I wait on him. Look at someone and say, you got to wait on him. It's not a McDonald's drive through where everything's instant. you got to sow your time into eternity. And this is what this life requires. It requires you giving up everything for the Lord. That means nothing you own belongs to you. Your, your life doesn't even belong to you. It belongs to Him. You were purchased at a price. If He did not purchase you, you'd be on your way to hell. For eternity, you would have eternal punishment, separation from the Lord. And so in your prosperity, you can't say, I did this by my own hand. Because it was the Lord who gave you the power to produce the wealth. He anointed you to obtain that wealth. And if you hoard it, in your prosperity, don't forget God. That we want to fund the kingdom. That's the purpose for the resource. Out of the overflow, out of the abundance, it should be going into the kingdom. I, I, you know, the Lord's had to break me through different levels of poverty in my thinking. I've had to break through some multiple levels. I grew up in South Africa, different world to live in. Here you live in abundance, but you can still have a poverty mindset. You have everything that you desire and need, but you still think you don't have enough. 
That's that greed thing, that lust thing that has to be brought to the altar. And I've had to break through multiple levels in my thinking. One of the levels that the Lord broke me through was that I would always feel ashamed of having nice things. That's part of the poverty spirit. Where anytime you get something nice, you feel bad about having that thing and you don't deserve that thing. And in the name of Jesus, you foul, lying devil. I prune you today of every person in this place. In the name of Jesus. And that thing, every time I'd get something nice, I felt like I have to give it away. And I thought I was hearing God. But I wasn't hearing the Lord. I was hearing a lying devil trying to make me poor. Different levels of thinking that you have to break through. And I remember one day, I was complaining to the Lord. And I said to the Lord, Lord, why do I always have to give people money in Africa? What? We're, we're, these random people from India and Pakistan. They hook, you, they hook up with you on social media. They want to be your friends. And the minute you say hello, brother, fund my ministry. And so I connected with this one guy. I actually met him in Kenya like 10 years ago. And we'd been on friends on Facebook and whatever. And, you know, the Lord started nudging me to start helping build with this guy. And then it just became like every time he needed something, he'd call me. It was like every week. Like I'm the bank. Like just whatever you need, just call up that dude and he'll hook you up. And so I started having an issue with it because I got to a certain point where I was like, nah, this is crossing the line, Jesus. And then the Lord said to me, which would you rather be? Would you rather be someone who's begging for money or would you be the person that has the money to help? That set me free immediately. That set me free immediately. Because the Bible says, if you will give to the poor, you lend to the Lord and the Lord will repay you. So if you got scripture in your heart, then it's fine. But if you're looking at your bank account, then it's another, your eyes are on the wrong thing. Your eyes have to stay on the word so that when you're doing it, you're doing it in faith. You're not doing it because you're being pulled by emotion. And you're not letting your emotions get out of whack because you're staying solid on the word. Are you with me? Because when is enough, God? When is enough? Well, when do you want the supply to stop? Because as you give, you will receive. As you release it, it'll come back to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. So where do you live? Do you live in limitation, or do you live in the freedom of what the Word says you can have? And there's these different things you got to prune out of your thinking. My wife said it earlier. Take your pointer finger. Say, this is the world I live in. And as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So today you think you're blessed. You're blessed. But tomorrow you think you're cursed. You're cursed. Because as you, th as you think, you create your reality. And so your thinking has to be fixed on what God says. What is God's will? What are God's thoughts? What are God's ways? 
What is the wisdom of God? What has the Lord told you to do? There's some of you, the Lord has spoken to you to do some things, but you've rebelled against what He's told you to do. You have not done it yet. And He's waiting on you to do what He said last before He'll tell you what to do next. What was the last thing the Lord said to you? Are you doing it? No, I'm too busy. Oh, so you're about your life, not His life. You're about your will, not His will. You see, family, this church thing isn't Sunday. It's every day. Your life has to move from it being yours and you give God pieces of it to where you give God all of it. I'm all in. I'm not ankle deep. I'm not knee deep. I'm not waist deep. I'm all the way in. And until you go all in with Jesus, you're, not, you're, you're, you're riding that fence. And you're not going to see the results you want to see. And you got to let go of your life. you got to let go of fear. There's some of you, I'll just say it straight. you got to let go of what happened in the last church you were in. The last man of God, what he did. I feel stuff stirring inside of people. Like the volcanic eruption, stuff coming up from the past, doors being broken open, stuff you've shoved in the closet in there, stuff you've been shoving. Those doors are popping open, and the Lord is doing a cleaning on the inside of you today. He's uprooting some stuff that you've allowed to take root on the inside of you, which is causing bitterness in your life, which is blinding you so you can't even see the things of God. Yeah, do a work in us today, Lord. Let's lift your hands. Say, Lord, do a work. Yeah, there it is. I feel that too. Mm-mm-mm. Trust. I don't know if I can trust this guy because I couldn't trust the last guy. Don't trust me. Trust Jesus. Put your faith in the Word of God. Do what the Word of God says. Do it here with all your heart as unto the Lord, not unto the man. You're going to do it to me, you'll be disappointed because your giving will be with strings attached. Well, I gave to that pastor. You didn't give to me, you gave to the Lord. You've got to cut all those strings on the inside of you. Don't be, don't be giving with strings attached to it. Give out of the overflow as unto the Lord and you'll never have lack. No matter what area of your life is in. And family, the key to increase on all sides is you surrendering to another level. If you want to move into another realm of the glory, another realm of the increase, then you got to give your life to God even more than you're giving it to Him now. Because in the measure that you sow, you'll reap. If you sow into the Spirit all in, you're going to reap life everlasting from the Spirit. But if you're going to play with the flesh, it's going to bring destruction to your life. And you've got to get out of mixture. You've got to be a pure stream. Can I get an amen? And you've got to guard your heart with all diligence because out of it flows the issues of life. And if there's a problem where something starts getting in your mind to bring division against someone, you have to fix that. If you misunderstood me, then you come and say, Pastor, did I misunderstand you? Because you took an offense. When you take an offense, you get offended, it's immediately separation. That's what the enemy wants to do. 
And you got to work through, you got to humble yourself instead of judging. Well, I can't believe the pastor said that. I can't believe his wife got up there and was dancing. Did you see her this morning? She went freedom. I don't think she, the pastor said, she, who told her she could do freedom? Who does she think she is? When you see her, you've seen me. When you see me, you've seen her because we are one. The same spirit that's in me is in her. The way I think, she thinks. The way she thinks, I think. We're two sides to the same coin, but we're one. If she says it's happening, then I'm right there with her, backing her up. You really have to take stock of your thinking. You have to take stock of what's stored in your memory. You have to take stock of what you're allowing to run your processor. You got to take a look at what lens you're looking life through. And you got to say, God, if there's, if there's a problem with the way I see, the way I think, the way I feel, then I need you to come and do a cleanup on the inside of me. I need an antivirus checkup today. I need to get the original disk image and I need to compare what's in here to what's in the Word. And Lord, if anything is out of whack, then make an adjustment. Quarantine it, delete it, get rid of it, burn it. But God, do not cut me from you. Take anything from me, but not your presence. And whatever is trying to keep you out of the presence, whatever is trying to keep you out of fellowship with the Lord. And it's, it's the minute you walk out of love, you step out of fellowship with the Lord. Because the minute you step out of love, you get irritated. You're no longer kind. You keep record of wrong. And when you're in that train of thinking, you can't pray. When you're in that train, you're not in peace. When you're in that, there's no joy. And the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Are you with me? Is this clear to you today? Can you see that you are in control of your life? And if you don't check your garden and manage what's growing in there, that's on you. And then you've got to water the things that God plants. So if the Lord has given you a word, for example, in 2005, the Lord spoke to me and he said, I'm going to restore your family. You're going to start a business. You're going to expand the business. You're going to build a home and you'll have an international ministry. Well, we just built our home and we launched international ministry. Club Pure South Africa happened. And we're getting ready to launch Club Pure Kenya. So for the last, since 2018 years, I've just been standing on what God said. Do you know how many times we wanted to buy a house in the last 18 years? And I would say to Misty, no, we're not buying a house. She says, why? I said, because the Lord said he's going to restore our family. We're going to start a business. We're going to expand the business and then we'll build a house. But she says, we can build one now as an investment and then flip it. That's not what the Lord said. The Lord didn't say build one now and flip it. He said, build the business and I'll give you the house one day. Wait. I don't want to leave my house. The present, I'm telling you right now, I, me and the Lord, we're having a great time. And when the garden is done, where's Pastor Nick? 
He's in the garden in the east. He's walking with the Lord. He's like Enoch. I don't even know if he's on the planet anymore. So what are we doing in this season? We're just doing what the Lord told us 15, 18 years ago to do. We're on the same track. The Lord spoke to my wife and he said, I didn't call you to reach hundreds. I called you to reach thousands. So what are we doing? We're going to work on doing what the Lord said. Let's reach more kids. When we build these churches in Kenya, they will be owned by Pure International. They'll be owned by us. It's not going to be some random dude on another side of the planet selling the property to buy whatever he wants to buy. And those buildings are going to be filled with children. I'm telling you right now, those 70 churches we're going to build, they're going to be filled with children. There's going to be thousands of kids in that nation. And I prophesy to you, three to five years from now, we'll be doing revivals with, with, with kids. I'm telling you right now, something getting ready to break out on this property. And when it breaks out here, we're positioning things internationally right now for a move of God in the next generation. I'll tell you this story. So, gambling. So, I heard that the lottery became one point whatever billion on the Powerball two weeks ago, three weeks ago, whenever it was. And so, I was fasting and praying that week. And I said, Lord, I got a lot that I need to build in the next 15 years. A billion dollars should cover it. I don't know if it will because I want to build a theme park. I want my own airline and my own cell company. I want my own bank. I actually want my own city. Buy all the property in a whole region and turn. It'll be a righteous city. It will. It'll be so easy to get permits. We'll own the, we'll be the government. Listen, we can build anything in Africa, babe. No permit required. So I'm like, Lord, a billion won't cover it. But uh, Lord, I'll help all my ministry friends and maybe pay off all the houses of the congregation. So I was sweetening the deal for the Lord to give me the numbers. And I heard nothing. It was crickets from the Lord the whole week. So I said, okay, I'll just buy a quick pick. It, all it takes is one. Not one number. Not even one number out of all the numbers. So Saturday, I'm the only one home. I'm there, and i got to get a promotion done. And I'm scrolling through all the pictures of the kids in our programs, trying to find some faces to put together a promotion. And the presence of God comes on me, man, like... Like, remember I was telling you about my fever last week where I was like this? Well, the presence of God came on me like that where I am vibrating under the power of God. And the Lord, the Lord says to me, they're all saved because of what you've done. And he, he said to me, he said, if you'll reach more of them for me, I'll give you anything you want. You don't need the Powerball, guys. You just do what he tells you to do, and he'll give you everything that you need to get it done. See, the blessing is tied to obedience. 
Provision is tied to the call and obeying the Lord. Because when the Lord says, this is my will, do it for me, he's already assigned the resources to get it done. Because God watches over his word to perform it. And the minute that we get out of the spirit and start looking at shortcuts to help God, we always go wrong. And so I want to encourage you today. Prune all those things that are keeping you out of what God has said for you to do. God doesn't want you doing 500 things. He's got one thing that he wants you to do. God doesn't move the furniture around. He doesn't change his mind every 24 hours. Well, today the Lord wants me to do this. Tomorrow the Lord wants me to do that. Oh, the Lord spoke to me today. He wants me to do this. Like God's not schizo. Lord, the Lord told me to be with you, pastor. And then the next week, like I got stabbed in the back. I hate that pastor. No, it's how it is. The minute somebody says to me, the Lord told me I need to be here with you. Red alarms go off. We'll see if you rock up next week, bro. We'll see if you can go through process. We'll see how faithful you remain to the Lord. Because what I find is people want position. They want a pulpit. They want to talk, but they won't pay the price. Go build your church down the road. Go ahead. You can preach all day long. Go on the street corner right here. What people do in the name of religion, in the name of God, irritates me. You're not supposed to be irritated. No, but when religion comes around, you need to put that thing in its place. Jesus, the only problem Jesus had was with religious people. He didn't have a problem with sinners. He had problems with people who thought they knew everything. This is not the church you came from. We do what the Lord says do. End of story. And if the Lord don't say it, we ain't doing it. I don't care how good the idea was. The bake sale was great at the last place you went, but we're not doing bake sales. Now, if the Lord said, put on the biggest bake sale, then we will put on the biggest bake sale. But if you're going to be a member here at Pure, then you're going to leave everything else alone. And you're going to plug in with God is saying, we need to do here. Can I get an amen? Because we can't be, we can't be a ministry with 50 directions. Say we've got one direction. We're reaching the next generation. It's what we're doing. It's what we do Monday through Friday. And that doesn't stop. Can I get an amen? Hallelujah. And I'm telling you, if you'll just hook up with it, the Lord says, I'll give you anything you want. That means he'll give you the desires of your heart. It's one thing for the Lord to meet the needs. It's another thing when the desires of your heart start unlocking. Things that he put in there that he begins to bless you with. And he adds no sorrow to it. Amen. You opened up my eyes to so much more. I saw the scene and shadow. Now I see the light in your Oh